When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Off Speed Podcast. My name is Grace. I am your host for this pod. A podcast where we slow things down, look at different sports stories, different sports, and see what's going on. This week, we have a very fun show. Uh, my friend Adam is going to come on. I've known Adam for a long time. Uh, Adam is going to come and talk through the transfer window in English soccer, uh, in, the, in European football soccer uh, we're going to chat through uh what it is and some interesting stories that are happening as the transfer window has just opened at the beginning of june uh so this is the summer transfer window we'll get through all that with adam a little bit later in the show lovina will come uh we are going to simulate the nhl or uh, yeah the nhl stanley cup finals between the colorado Avalanche and the tampa bay lightning and we're going to make our prediction like we did a few weeks ago which uh is turning out to maybe be wrong. Golden State Warriors, as I'm recording this, up three to two over the Boston Celtics. But Celtics still have a chance. And we did predict seven games, so we're not completely wrong yet. Although Isaiah would assume that we are. Uh yeah, it's been a f- you know, a fun, a fun series. Uh Celtics uh, go up in game one. Um and uh, yeah, but the Golden State Warriors have uh, come back to have a lead and potentially clinch it and may have clinched it by the time you're listening to this podcast, in which case we were wrong. I was totally wrong, uh, but I'm recording this before a game number six. Um, yeah, uh, let's dive into uh, our segment with Adam on the other side of that. We'll be with Lavina, and then I'll see you on the other side. All right. Welcome back here in our segment. Banter up. I am joined by Adam. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good to be on. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, Adam, you and I have been friends for a few years now, but we've never actually spoken to each other, not uh, in text form. This is very interesting. We're internet That's right. Friends, yeah. Adam. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, there's a big ocean in the way, isn't there? So it's, it's, it's a big ocean. To these things up. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, when I knew I was doing a sports podcast, I said, at some point, Adam, I would like to have you on the podcast. And here you are. We're going to talk about something that I think is very interesting. And I think uh, we're going to talk about transfer windows in sort of European uh, football. 
some of our fans might call it soccer. Uh, unfortunately, Adam, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that because I think it's a very unique system that uh, I think American, North American sports infrastructure is all about trades and a trade deadline. And we, and we like drafts and all that stuff, but this is a totally unique thing and it's the summer. So it's the, su- the summer transfer window uh, is open. So let's chat a bit about that. But first, Adam, tell us your sports background history. What sports did you watch or play as a kid? Uh, who are your teams? Who's your favorite player? All that good stuff. Sure. So, I mean, well, helpfully, football's kind of always been my my main one. Soccer, as as uh, you may call it. I mean, the term yeah. soccer did start in Britain, so oh. I suppose we can't we can't be too offended by the term, okay. right? So that's fair. That's yeah. fine. Um, yep. Football as a kid played that a lot. Um, I've always quite liked racket sports as well, so I'm a big tennis fan. Um, played a bit when I was younger, not to any good standard or anything. But um, <laughs> and then cool. as I've got <laughs> as I've got older, I've got really into the NFL. Been to a few of the um, NFL games over here in London. That's been really fun. That's interesting. That's fun. We have to chat when uh, when they come over. How I'm so intrigued. I, I my uh, foray into like British sports does not actually come from uh, uh, like European soccer. Actually, comes from pro wrestling, Adam, which is of a course. thing that I know you and I both love. Yes. Um, and I always love like the general like atmosphere, and I feel like you know it, it comes from this like football, um, the, the energy, and I feel like British wrestling crowds are so fun. I'm so int- I would be so intrigued. Like to hear the to feel like if we could explain the difference of like uh, uh, a British NFL game going on, I feel like that could be really interesting at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's always good fun when we go down for the NFL. It's kind of like a festival, a bit of a carnival sort of thing, which um, you don't get with a lot of the British sports when you go to them. It's it's, it's quite different. And it's quite fun to uh, go and experience in the capital. That's cool. What uh, do you have? A, do you have an NFL team? Yes, uh, I'm a big Arizona Cardinals fan. Um, okay. Yeah, so not a lot of success come our way, but. Um, Larry Fitzgerald kind of got me into into the Cardinals once I started watching like the Super Bowls and stuff. I love Larry Fitzgerald, so uh, that's kind of where I went down that uh, that particular rabbit hole with with them. That's okay. Nobody, you were like, yes, I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan. So nobody's like, well, Adam just hopped on the bandwagon of the best. <laughs> they could no, find, very true. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, what about uh, your what's your what's your football team? So uh, I'm a Doncaster Rovers fan. I mean, we're one of the lower league professional teams in England, and. Uh, I suppose at the top level, I don't know if people might have heard of Everton a bit a bit more than Doncaster, but um, Everton are my Premier League team and got some family uh, links to them. So I suppose D- Donny is known and, and Everton. Primarily. Have I? Did you did you know that I in over recent years I don't feel like I type in the football channel on the, the place where you and I knew each other, but but I had become a Liverpool fan. So I feel uh, like uh, yeah, the rivalry. Uh, a bit of odds there then, yeah. Yeah, we're at odds. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, all right, cool. Let's chat about transfer windows. Could, I think uh, it's, I mean, I, overall, the process is pretty simple, but it's a, you know, it is different. It's a different system um, than I think we have over here. Not that you can't make a trade for a player uh, and just take money. Uh, you can do that, but that's typically not how a trade in any of the North American leagues works. So you want to walk us through a little bit of like transfers in, in soccer and football? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's all wrapped up in contracts, right? So it's right. not too dissimilar. I mean, let's say the NFL is kind of my point of reference to the way that the American system works. And there are some elements that are shared, like free agency, right? That's quite right. similar to free agency, or at least one element of, uh, you know, soccer's transfer window is free agency. But um, it's kind of like all wrapped up in contracts and like fees. So a player will sign a contract with a team for X amount of time, say two years, three years. And the general understanding will be that that player is with that team until the end of the contract, unless another team really wants to sign him. And then they have to go to the guy's team. So it has to be done at the team level before the player level. 
And so say, for instance, Liverpool and Everton, just as an example, if Liverpool wanted a player who was owned by Everton, well, he had a contract for three more years, Liverpool would have to offer Everton a lot of money or amount, an amount of money, a monetary value, usually in the millions at that level of, uh, of the game, um, in order for the team who have the player to let him go or at least let him talk about a contract with the other team that want him. Um, and there's no like exclusivity or anything like that. Like if, if, a, if a player is really popular um, and he's wanted by a lot of teams or maybe he plays for a smaller team and he's wanted by one of the bigger clubs, three, four, five, six teams could all go to the player's club and say, well, we'll offer five million for him or they offer him five million, we'll offer 10 million sort of thing. Um, and then as long as the club have agreed to it, the player is then free to go himself and talk to that club who want to buy him and say, what do you want to you know, do for our, my contract? And do I want to come here? What are you offering me to move? Maybe I don't want to move. Um, and, and all that kind of thing. So it's, it's like a two-tiered contract system. You have to agree the fee and the, the transfer amount with the club. But then after that, you have to agree your contract terms with the player. And those two things have both got to happen before um, a player is transferred. I, I think there is like a level of fandom. I think this is a thing that I probably don't talk about a ton, but in terms of why I like sports is there is so much like transactional. Uh, there's such a transactional nature to sports that I find incredibly compelling um, that uh, I think there are a lot of fans who, who love this sort of stuff. Like my favorite day of the baseball season uh, is actually, uh, you know, apart from any day where the Toronto Blue Jays win is uh, the trade deadline. I love the trade deadline. I love seeing it's so like, uh, I feel like you can, it's so reactionary. It's so you can be so like, you can fantasize about like, oh, what if, what if our team went and got this guy? You know, uh, what if, what if this happened? What if, what if this team does this thing? It's, it's so, it's, it's fun. And then when it happens, you can like immediately scrutinize whether that thing was good or bad and who got the better end of the deal. I feel like there is such a fervent fan, uh, thing that I'm not sure, like if, if you're a casual sports fan listening, um, and perhaps are like new into sports or, or you're coming, you're jumping on per topic that like, yeah, I don't, I, I, I realize now how like excited I am to talk to you about like, yeah, transactions, you know, uh, contracts, negotiations. Um, can I ask you, you're talking about the teams will go. So this is the thing I I've watched. Sorry. I, I very much live in a Liverpool bubble. And the other thing I do is I try not to Google a lot of things because I don't want Google to learn that I'm a Liverpool fan and spoil the <laughs> results of games for me. I know this is like, you know, sort of a, like a faux pas sports thing, but as like in a, as a Canadian, I can, you know, I can watch the game whenever because I never get spoiled on the game. So I can watch it like five hours later. Um, so even transfer window stuff sometimes does confuse me. You were saying that like the team will, will get the rights from a, from a team, from another team to say, yeah, we want to talk to, to your player. Uh, do you have to pay that whether or not that player ultimately ends up choosing to sign with them or are most of these contracts like we'll pay you five million pounds, but only, only if the guy ends up coming. Yeah. So no. So it, it has to be conditional on the player agreeing. You know, um, gotcha. you don't have to pay any money just to talk to him. It's just kind of you have to have like a a solid agreement with the team. Yeah, we can talk to him. So um, gotcha. say you know, say for instance, Liverpool sell Mo Salah. Obviously, they won't want to do that. But say they agree to sell Mo Salah. Barcelona offer fifty million. Real Madrid offer seventy million. And for whatever reason, Liverpool accept both. The only team that pays the money to Liverpool is the team that gets him at the contract stage. So if gotcha. if Barcelona agree the deal with him, uh, he will move to Barcelona for fifty million. Liverpool will get fifty million off Barcelona, and Real Madrid will keep that money and they'll spend it on somebody else, most likely, or just keep it. Gotcha. You, as a as somebody who's dabbled in the NFL and and you know, other sports and things, do do you find that this system actually? Uh, 
are the players in, in more control here than, than they would be um, uh, somewhere else because it's all tied up into their own contract? Is there like, is there a world where, uh, and does this happen where like the team says, yeah, we'll take 70 million pounds. You can negotiate with that guy. What if he just says like, no, I, I'm never like, I, I, I don't, I really don't want to go. Maybe not in the case of like, yeah, I'm going to sit on my contract. If you transfer me um, to this other, you know, to Liverpool, but um, uh, do the players have a ton of agency in this, in the system? So I feel like in, in North American sports, you can just get really, you have to negotiate this no trade clause contract into your contract or else you're at the whim of, of any team that you play for that. Yeah. You may have signed a contract with Toronto, but we might ship you to Miami. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I and mean, I think nowadays, certainly nowadays more so with the way that the money has increased in football, soccer, um, like nowadays the players have got a lot of power because especially at the top level, your players like Salah, your Mbappe's, Lionel Messi's, Ronaldo's, I suppose, um, you know, those kind of players will kind of dictate where they want to go because if, if the club try and sell them to someone they don't want to go to, they'll just probably say no. And they'll just say, well, I don't want to go there. Like you want to sell me or you need the money that I'm going to give you by, by leaving, but I don't want to go and play for that club. I want to go to this country or this team. Um, so that right. does happen quite a lot. Um, and I think, that is one thing that in America, at least in the NFL, it seems like players are more like a, a product that you buy or, or yes. trade for, you know. And whereas sure. in, in, in football, it's more like you are, you, yeah, you're definitely signing a player who has more agency over his own, um, over his own career, I suppose. That ultimately to me is a good thing. I do feel like, uh, I'd be interested in some point. I, I would love to get on the pod somebody who got, uh, traded at some point, perhaps uh, in any of the leagues. Cause I just feel like that is a nightmare. I feel like, uh, th- you know, especially on these things of like trade deadline day, like I feel like in football, you are not going to, uh, wake up one day and find out that, you know, okay, the club agreed to a transfer and, and you have to move to, you know, another country, you know, uh, but that yeah. is literally a thing that can happen in, in uh, at least three of the four major sports here. We do not have a, a NFL team up here in uh, Canada, but yeah, you get traded from the Maple Leafs to the Colorado avalanche. Sorry. Bye. You gotta, you gotta move, you know, uh, which, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, anyway, we're just going to get into a talk about capitalism, Adam, if we keep going on like this. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm perhaps the most, uh, interested here and i think the, the the next thing is why why is a team buying i mean that seems pretty obvious and, and why is a team selling and what sort of like considerations are those teams making in terms of um and and uh let's do that because I, I already was going to ask you another question but let's chat about that like you know uh in in north american sports you simply have buyers and sellers so you're going to trade your best players or you're going to sell your best players but there's also the consideration of like when you trade your best player um and so um yeah let's chat a little bit about that take that anywhere you want adam yeah, sure. I think yeah. it's it's kind of two-tiered, right? So one is like the hierarchy of club success. So obviously, again, I mean, I'm just going to have to keep relating these to the NFL because my like That's NBA fine. and NHL knowledge is low. I'll do um, the baseball analogy so you, get the, sure. you can get the <laughs> NFL one. Yeah. Good. Um, so like, for instance, in the NFL, yes, we know that, say, right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are a good team or the New England Patriots for so long were a really good team, right? So they, but in, in, if they have the same transfer system, they would maybe be the best team because they had more money. And yeah. they'd be able to sign more players or, or the better players because they cost more money. Um, so in football, the hierarchy kind of makes a big difference. Liverpool are in that top level, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester City, Manchester United. They can often go to teams, say they need a player in a certain position. I guess it's the same across all sports. We want this player because we need a good player who plays centre yeah. midfield or who we plays, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in, instead of trading with another team and saying, well, we need a player in this position, so we'll trade you for the player that you need sort of thing. It's just more kind of like, 
we need a player who's a good centre midfielder. We think this guy is a really good player, so we want to pay money for him. So we will go to the club, and, and really the incentive for the club to sell is the money, really. I mean, it's kind of, it is the money, like because you're not often going to see player trade. Sometimes you do see direct swaps, but it's very rare nowadays, I think, in, in football, really, for a player to be swapped for another player. It's usually for money, and then the understanding is, okay, well, if I sell my best striker to Liverpool and I'm Everton, well, they'll give me a lot of money for him because they're a big team. And then I maybe don't have to spend all of that amount of money to replace him with a striker from another team. And it's kind of like a chain reaction that just goes on, I suppose, where, you know, Liverpool would sign the player from Everton and then Everton would sign the player from Southampton and then Southampton would sign the player from Celtic and, and so on and so on. On just You can't even keep track of all that sometimes. It's just dictating where the team needs are and how much money each team has got to spend on transfers, which is wrapped up in so many different financial uh, elements, I suppose, of a football club. Um, that's kind of where it all goes. And that's, I think that's why they have a transfer window now where you can only do it at certain times of the year. Because otherwise, I think most of the time, the football, the time. yeah, and, and yeah. the football being played wouldn't even matter, would it? Because you'd, you'd always yeah. just be focusing on who's going where, which would be fun in a way, but I think it might get a bit tiring after nine months. <laughs> so uh, do you want to explain, when are the two transfer windows? I know January is a, tr- is a transfer window. Uh, and then we have the summer transfer window, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's pretty universal, I think. The, the, Exact dates and times do differ between um, different countries and different leagues, but primarily you'll have like a month-long window in January, which is for most leagues the mid-season, where it's like, oh, well, we, we need a better player in this area or we've not done very well, so we need some more better players. And then the other one would be the one we're in now, which has just started, which is the summer window. It's a longer, a longer period for transfers to be made because it's not during the season. Um, so the season ends in May, June. And then the transfer window opens around about now, and then it will run until basically just after the season starts. So you've got the whole summer to completely rework your squad if you need, you know, get rid of players um, that you don't want or that maybe other clubs want, and then you can replace them with players that you want. And then by the end of the window in in the summer, you'll have maybe replaced seven or eight players, but you'll have a full squad again. Um, whereas in January, it's just kind of plugging gaps that you have or you know a certain problem that's cropped up in the season. And the January one's always tougher as well because you've got to make the moves whilst also playing the games. So the manager and the, the club have got to focus on two things at once, whereas in the summer, it's a lot more about getting the transfers done and then putting them together on the pitch and making them a good team, I suppose. Can can front offices be working on uh, agreements uh, in terms of this, the transfer windows being, yeah, you can only do a, a deal once the transfer window is actually open. Um, but I feel like some things I see sometimes is like, yeah, this this deal is pretty much a done deal, but we have to wait till, you know, July or what, you know, June or whatever. Uh, I, I've seen that I feel like a few times and maybe this is just my total ignorance that like I don't understand what's going on but I feel like I've seen that where it's like yeah we're pretty sure like this guy is going to come but we just have to wait for the transfer window actually open uh, before that deal can officially uh, happen what what is the deal there what's happening yeah that's right so you can kind of agree everything but because the way the transfer window works is it's like legally binding for all the clubs that they can't strictly speaking sign players outside of it so if if you maybe maybe the uh, the the club's like front office, as it would be, would be speaking to the player or his agent and they want to sign the guy in the summer, in June. It's March. And they're like, well, we want to sign you and you've said that you want to come and join us, but you're still playing for your other team. So to avoid disrupting, I suppose, the player at his current club, um, it kind of has to be on hold until June. So you can say, oh, it's all signed and agreed, but um, we'll have to sign the paperwork and do the old, you know, the unveiling and say, oh, look, he's in our shirt now and he's coming and playing for our team. You have to wait until 
the window opens, which is why um, when the window opens around about now, like you'll see quite a flurry of, of transfers be announced, uh, even though they've probably been worked out quite a while. Yeah, I know the uh, the uh, individual who Liverpool signed, Darwin Nunez, it feels like that has been almost guaranteed for a long time and officially just, just happened, right? From Benfica, yeah? Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in, in a couple things here. I think we can sort of... So get, I, well, one thing I was thinking as we're chatting is, is we chat, the one thing I, you know, when I hear about this system and how it's so different, I do think there is so much more player agency, but I also wonder how much that attributes to, uh, you talked about a hierarchy in English football where you do have your, your big teams, uh, the teams that are like, you know, at least, uh, you know, in the Premier League feel like, uh, yeah, it's going to be a race at the top of the table between these teams. Uh, these are the teams that are going to make it into the Champions League. Um, do you think that like this system reinforces that in the sense English football also does not, correct me if I'm wrong, does not have a draft, right? You are assigning people, kids fairly, you know, their teens to academies, training them. And I feel like the, it's sort of a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy that uh, you're, you're a good, you're a great team, like say Manchester city, uh, you, where do, where would you want to go and play? You're the best player in the world. Yeah, I want to go play for Manchester City. So I'm going to sign for Manchester City. That's the academy I'm going to play at. I'm going to play there. I'm going to, because I was thinking earlier about when you're talking about, you know, the trickle down way it happens, but I was thinking also about academy player. You know, if you have a young player, you think in like, you know, you might not need to go fill a gap because you can give up your premier striker because you think you have a young kid who's, who's up and coming. Um, but, but how do you think this system, the transfer window in particular, like uh, helps sustain that hierarchy or, or am I totally wrong and it doesn't sustain the hierarchy? No, I mean, you've, you're perfectly correct. I mean, it's, it's to do with the money, I suppose. You know, teams like uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, and it's the same in, in all the major leagues. I think, you know, like Bayern Munich really have the one monopoly over the German Bundesliga, for instance, because they, they have the most money and they're the most successful because they have the best players, which means they can just keep signing the best players from all the other teams if they want. So, you know, if, yeah. if another team like Dortmund or Leipzig is coming up and doing really well and maybe challenging them, Bayern Munich often just sign their best, you know, Dortmund or Leipzig's best player because they've got the money to do it. So it does, it reinforces it in that way. And I think uh, it's the same with the academy players. You know, academy players, they come into academies at very young ages. It's it's not quite like the college draft system um, that they have in America. I think, I think the major league uh, in in soccer is the only one that has a draft of any sorts, as far as I'm aware, um, in in, in this sport. Um, And, the players are assigned individually as young, younger, you know, sometimes not even when the teenagers I've, I've, I've read of the odd thing where, you know, a team pays maybe a couple of thousand pounds or whatever to sign like a 10, 11 year old from a, that's wild. Well, like, I know it's, it's, it's crazy. And often those players, you never hear from them again, but um, I don't think I was world class at anything at 10 years old, like, like uh, had potential of anything. at ten. But, well, yeah. I, well, I know I wasn't. Yeah. Otherwise I'd, yeah. I'd be doing it now. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it does reinforce it. And, the, the teams who have the most money and are the most successful, like those Manchester City, Liverpool, can have the, the best and the most young players as well. And then they can bring them in and they might get lucky there and, and have a good young player who comes into the first team, like uh, Marcus Rashford at Manchester United, for instance. Like They didn't pay anything for him because he just came through their academy as a kid yeah. and ended yeah. up being really good. But they also, because they've got that money, when the transfer window opens, they might be able to sign you know, Everton's version of Rashford, who's come up through their academy. Like, uh, I mean, I haven't got a modern example, but Wayne Rooney, for instance, he came through the right. Everton academy, did really well for Everton until he was 18. And then Man United spent £30 million to sign him from Everton when he was 18. And then he was a Manchester right. United player. So right. Everton had to start again. So um, I think it does reinforce it. Um, and I think it's harder for teams with maybe a bit less money or a bit less status, you know, 
um, to to kind of push up and become as good because there's no there's no evening out. There's no like leveling of the playing field like the draft does try and do with having like the worst teams get the supposed best players or at least the first pick of the best players. But um, then in, in I mean. Drafts. It's very interesting because then in, in North America, you have you have this issue of and, uh, you know, whether it's an issue or not, I don't know. But tanking, you know, uh, that uh, because there's no regulation. So yeah. uh, if you're the worst team and you you almost are incentive, if you're the fifth worst team, it actually is more beneficial for you to be try to make become the worst team than to be try to become, you know, the 10th worst team, you know. Uh, so, yeah, all the systems obviously have like pros and cons. But, yeah, you can't you can uh, in all these these leagues, you can't tank or you're going to move down a whole um uh a whole league uh which uh yeah we're big fans uh, over on push reps of ted lasso uh which i think uh sort of uh they got relegated at the end of uh, is that a spoiler maybe that's a spoiler yeah, uh we'll spoiler. see uh yeah um but so here's what i'm gonna ask so so you're a fan of of uh rovers you, you talked about there being uh in a in a lower league um all these big clubs, they're spending their money, but they're giving it to the smaller clubs. They're, they're giving it to these other clubs. How come, you know, what, what is the thing to stopping them from just like having all this money and then, you know, building a, building a dynasty, building a team, you know, that's not realistic, but you know, building a good team. Well, I suppose it's because the, the bigger sums of money tend to just get battered around between the bigger teams or at least right. to a certain level. So like, um, so, you know, we're talking, if we're talking realistic figures, the best players in the world probably move for between 50 and hundred million, usually maybe a bit more yeah. even, which obscene money, but I mean, this is how it is. Um, and then like, for instance, my team who is now in, they're in the fourth division. Now we've just been relegated as it happens into the fourth level of English football. We'll never sell a player for that amount of money because we're so small. Right. Um, we'll never be able to sell a player for more than maybe a million, and that's pushing it. So right. we only get maybe one million for a, if we develop a player who ends up being really good, but we only get one million for him, and then he ends up being really, really good for the the better team that signed him, and then they might sell him for ten million. So right. that team is benefiting from a player that we developed, so to speak. If that makes sense. They're getting more of a monetary gain than us, and um, I guess even though there's lower costs at our level, it's easier to like run into financial trouble because obviously. Sure. You know, if, if you overspend or you're not successful and you've spent more money than you maybe deserve to have spent, um, L- Liverpool, for instance, are not going to go out of business if they maybe lose £30 million in a year. But if, if my team, if Doncaster lose £5 million in a year, we're going to be in, in trouble in terms of being able to afford to even pay our employees and, and things like that. So it's yeah. it's very interesting. It's very strange. I think it, it does work because if you had like a draft system, I don't think it worked because the leagues are so different and, of course, across Europe and South America and North America and stuff. So um, I think this system does work best. There's maybe some things that could change about it. But um, generally, the way that the transfers go, um, the biggest sums are spent at the higher level. Sometimes you might get lucky and have a really, really good player, a lower level team, and they get sold for the 10 million, like I just you know used in that example. And then you can sign good players for cheaper and you can build up your stadium and do all that stuff, you know, and actually become a better team over time. Some teams have done that. Um, Brentford are a good example for anyone that watches the Premier League. They've they've done that really well in the last few years, and now they're a Premier League team, whereas they used to be at, at Doncaster's level, and they've done that where they've signed good players for less money and then sold them for a lot more and then used it to build up their squad and their, like, stadium and, like, their infrastructure and stuff. Right. Yeah, if you if you look at the you know the top ten transfer fees in in history, um, 
yeah, you're, you're going to see, you know, Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Liverpool to Barcelona, uh, Benfica to Atletico Madrid, right? Like Aston Villa to Manchester City. We're, you know, they're going to the big teams and typically, uh, you know, um, it's, it's still, it's big teams selling that player, which, uh, you know, like, like, uh, this, like, um, you know, Sadio Mane is somebody who, uh, again, I'm going to like show my Liverpool bias here to talk about Liverpool. But as a player who he's a good player and he's le- but he you know he's ready to do something different, so he's leaving a big team. He's going to go to a big team, right? Uh, it's also whoever can afford him as well, right? So, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's only maybe five or six teams in the world who can probably afford Sadio Mane, right? And it looks like Bayern Munich might be the one that he goes to. But this speaks to the player power thing we were on about earlier, where um, Sadio Mane is under contract to Liverpool for another year. Right. But he's turned around to Liverpool and said, I want a new challenge now. I want to leave. I've had a great time here at Liverpool, but I want to go somewhere else now. So then it's on Liverpool to sell him for an amount of money that they want. But at the same time, they'd probably rather keep him and not have to go out and spend double that money on Darwin Nunes, for instance, who they've just signed for, I think it's 64 million, rising up to yeah. 80, think, which is yeah, a lot more money. Right. So, yeah. so, so obviously, Sadio Mane, they're going to sell him for half that amount. But Sadio Mane has said, I want to leave. So in, in that sense, it's in the players' hands. and. Um. Yeah, I guess this is the thing. The big sums. Mane is never going to go to a a lower club. He's going to go to another team level, similar level to Liverpool. Right. Um. I think the thing that's also interesting there is, um, you know, Sadio Mane probably isn't the best example in terms of he he said I'm I I would like to go. I want another challenge. We we've won a lot at Liverpool. Uh, I'm ready to do something different. And um. But what's interesting, I think, is when a team decides to that it's in their best interest to to start to think about transferring a player in terms of, um, you know, in North American sports. You know, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. And the way baseball contracts work is uh, you get someone under contract for basically six years, six years of them playing in the majors. Um, and a lot of teams will try to it depends on who you are, whether you are a big club or a small club, uh, how much you want to try and leverage, you know, the peak of that player, their their value, not only from a uh because you the, the worst thing can happen, especially to a small market team, is just to let somebody's contract run out and you get nothing you there's nothing of value gained from letting that player play out their contract and play other than their on field performance, if they're a very good player, exactly what you're saying about Sadio Mane. Liverpool would probably it's, it might be worth more to them to have Sadio Mane playing than to agree to let him be transferred. But there's player issue, you know, player autonomy and, you know, player morale. So yeah, we'll sell you. Um, but do some of these smaller clubs, do they have to make that? To, you know, you talked about Wayne Rooney, like, uh, sometimes perhaps it's the dollar figure that's like too much to say. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, of course we want to keep Wayne Rooney, but like, you're yeah. going to offer me this, mu- this much money, but also like, yeah, if I wait two more years till your contract runs out, uh, then you're just going to walk away for nothing. So I might as well as a team try to get, you know, a couple million dollars out of you. Yeah, well, exactly. And that is exactly it. And that's when kind of the dance goes on that we all like to follow and watch. And it's kind of this, it's kind of like this uh, reality drama sort of thing where the player or the club or the team that won him are, and, and they're all having this big back and forth. I mean, the, a more recent one is Harry Kane. He's the right. big star of, of England, like, and he plays for Tottenham. And he's always played for Tottenham um, for his whole career. And Tottenham are a really good team. But Manchester City have got a bit more money than Tottenham and they generally win more trophies than Tottenham. So last year, um, Man City wanted to sign Harry Kane and they told Harry Kane that. And Harry Kane said, oh, I want to go to Manchester City, but I've got a long contract at Tottenham and I get paid a lot of money. And Tottenham can then afford to say, well, yeah, okay, well, don't want to sell you and we'll sell you, but they have to give us 200 million. You know, they have to give us like a ridiculous fee. Well, um, and Man- 
that would that would be that would be number two on the all-time uh, yeah. record list, two hundred million. Yeah, exactly. And Tottenham said, "Look, he's he's so good and he's so important to us that we think he's worth you paying more than anyone's ever cost before, apart from I, I think it's Neymar." Um, when he went to yeah, Paris. So Na- so. Yeah, Neymar going to Paris is number uh, number two is Mbappe also going to uh, to Paris. Yeah. They have the number one and number two on the board. Yeah. There you go. And I mean, that's because they're owned by a, a state government. So, I mean, unlimited <laughs> amounts of money, right? So, as our Man City, as our Man City, to be fair. So, like, because Man City said, oh, well, we don't want to spend 200 million on Kane. We like him and he's really good, but that's a lot of money. So, we're just going to not sign you. And then he, so he stayed at Tottenham and he didn't really want to stay at Tottenham. So, he's his playing wasn't as good at the start of last season, but then he got over it and he, you know, he forgot about all that and he's become good again. And now Man City have moved on and signed somebody else for a lot less money who is probably about as good. So it's fascinating to see how that, and that's probably played out over three or four months, you know, over the last summer and into like the start of last season. So it's a, it's a lot of fun for us as fans and as like media and stuff to talk about it, to follow that along and, and kind of keep up with it. And then, just see what happens. I suppose that's that's one yeah. of the biggest fun bits of the the transfer window. And yeah, we're we're on the reality TV wrap ups network here on the Rob is a podcast network. I always say sports is like the original reality TV. This stuff is this stuff is fun. What a compelling story? It'd be like, I would like to leave. Like, yeah, give me two hundred million dollars. Like, no, I don't want to. This play is bad. Like, all that stuff is so much. There's so much fodder in it that I think is like uh, is really fun. I think it's it's hard when it's like you know these are real people uh, rather than things we're watching. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you know. Real people, he's also a millionaire. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Okay, let's maybe let's chat about, I think that that's a really interesting story that uh, Harry Kane last year, uh, uh, you know, being being scouted a bit, trying to be lured away and, and ultimately not worth it. Uh the transfer window is just opened, uh, but and perhaps we could, you know, even if you want to go back to the January transfer window, how some of, you know, anything that was like an interesting story, anything that like you think really changed dynamic of the, you know, of the season or any just any interesting stories you have. I mean, uh, Sadio Mane currently, I feel like that was really, although again, I'm like in the Liverpool bubble. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the big one at the minute um, that I think has been really interesting to follow and has, and has kind of shone up how ridiculous the, the money is nowadays is a guy who you just mentioned, Kylian Mbappe. Um, he's, he's played for Paris Saint-Germain for the last four or five years, I think, since that move from Monaco. He transferred um, in 2018, so... Yeah, there you go, four years, four, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, like, he, he plays for Paris Saint-Germain. I think he's from that area in France, and he's a big star for yep. the France um, international team. Like, he won the World Cup a few years ago with them. Um, he, he was linked with Real Madrid last year, um, and he and he had one year left on his contract, and Real Madrid wanted to sign him. And PSG kind of did what uh, you know Paris Saint Germain did, what Tottenham did, and said, "Well, we don't want to sell you, so we'll demand like a ridiculous amount of money from Real Madrid." 
And they can pay that if they want, but they don't want to pay that amount of money, especially when they know when he's out of contract this year, it would have been, he could move, move to Real Madrid for nothing, like no transfer fee. They'd have to pay him a lot of money in wages, contract, but um, not a transfer fee to be given to PSG. So Real Madrid said, okay, well, we'll wait. And this summer now, we'll just sign him for free and Paris can't say no. Um, right. And then, which, which is hilarious in a way for a player so, so famous and so like well-regarded who gets paid so much money and could cost so much money, probably more than uh, Neymar cost is probably what they would have had to pay. But as it turns out, Mbappe just turned around about three weeks ago and said, oh, uh, Paris have offered me a load more money and a big, <laughs> big deal. Um, and so he's staying at Paris for another five years, even though he's kind of made a bit of a song and dance publicly about how much he likes Real Madrid and wants to play for them. Uh, but he's turned around and said, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to stay at Paris now and they're going to pay me more money than I think anyone apart from Ronaldo has ever been paid to play football. Um, and people have kind of been making, you know, jokey comments online sort of saying that he's basically the manager now. Like Mbappe is basically in charge because he's paid so much and he's so important. So who who is uh, this is a uh, uh, oh boy this name uh, the, who Real Madrid ended up signing Aurelian Tukameni is it Chu Chu Chuameni I think Chuameni Chu yeah that would, I mean that I, would make sense a T C H O U A M E N I yeah and he's he's like uh, yeah joking about uh, Mbappe being yeah uh, in charge <laughs> over over there he ended up going yeah he they, that's who they ended up signing. Uh, not instead, perhaps, but use their money in a different in a different manner. Yeah, um, that's inter- that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Mbappe. Yeah, I, I feel like he had a big uh, last World Cup. Uh, I'm excited about the World Cup. Perhaps you'll have to come join me uh, yeah. when the World Cup uh, uh, is is uh, is either about to happen or, or while it's happening. We'll chat about it for sure. Uh, anything? Anything? Any other stories here? Any other uh, interesting uh, transfer window news? I'm trying to think, really. I think I was going to bring up the whole Sergio Mane thing, and you've already uh, you've been. Yeah, I scooped you. <laughs> I scooped you. you. Uh, but they they uh, bring in uh, Darwin Nunez, right? Uh, to sort of. Yeah, like, that's uh, right. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I would certainly, you know, we'll get into the Sotomayor stuff. I was certainly a bit disappointed to see that he's leaving, but I, I can't really blame him. I can see that if you're a type of person who uh, you do want to, to win, that at some point, like. They've, they've won everything you can win uh, this year. They were hoping to go for the quadruple and, and lose in two finals. They don't win in the quadruple being uh, four major championships uh, four tournaments uh, in the league. You could, you could win um, and they don't end up doing it, but you know, they've pretty much won anything you can win. So for him to go, let me go somewhere else. Let me see if I can do it somewhere, uh, somewhere else. I think Liverpool also has a fairly strong uh, f- uh, front three uh, that even if you, and to the point where, you don't really need money to, to a degree that they, they have guys like the uh, Luis Diaz and, and Jada that they, they brought in that like, they're going to have a pretty strong board. Anyway, yeah. that's not the worst thing in the world. I think Although you're talking you're talking about that and then saying that they're going to pay more than probably what they'll get for, for money in Nunez. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and that is the just quirky thing about football transfers is that you usually do have to spend more than you get for the player you're losing. You know, if it's a player that you don't want to lose, but the other team has obviously said, well, we'll pay you so much more money because you like him and you need him, but you need the money as well. And often you teams will have targets to replace, say, Mane, like Nunes, and they'll have to spend more money on them because they're more desperate, I guess, for that player when Mane said he's leaving and everyone knows it. Um, you know, so they have to go in. And also, I guess, when Liverpool go for Nunes, other teams will want him, so they have to spend more money than... Those other teams may may want to sign him. You know, maybe Everton wanted Nunes, but they can't offer seventy million. You know, like Liverpool right. did. So that right. all comes into it too. Um, I see. Like looking at the top ten list, I kind of had this. I kind of when I was going to go look at it, I kind of thought that like perhaps at the last few years would have like 
you know, every time you're just breaking the record. That seems to happening in a lot of sports where like every new contract gets signed is breaking the record because of inflation and all sorts of other things. Um, do you think COVID had a, an impact? I mean, certainly teams are, um, even the big clubs were playing without uh, crowds for uh, at least a year uh, during uh, during the pandemic. Uh, it, it feels like there was two uh, two top 10 signings in in, uh, in 2021, in Jack Grealish and Kaku, who both, uh, they get a sixth and seventh on the top 10 all-time transfer fees. Um, but do you, do you expect that like now that things have sort of like, Kate is like opening back up to an extent that like these numbers will continue to just keep keep rising. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, the it was like I think it was like a full year without having crowds, which makes a difference to obviously the amount of money that teams can make. And obviously, the TV viewing figures were. I think at first they were higher because no one could go out and do other things. But I think as time wore on, people kind of got a bit fatigued by um, football without the the fans and the noise and all that. So maybe it had lower viewing figures, which means less money for the teams as well. Um, and I yeah. think now that we've come out of COVID, I think I think that's spot on. Um, you might see some big moves again like that. We did see that last summer. I think uh, I don't think many people would have thought Jack Grealish, for instance, would have been a hundred million pound player before that, but he but he was, and he is a good player. Um, but Manchester City went out and spent a lot of money on him. And I think there'll be a few like that now this summer. There'll probably be a few like that next year as well. I don't know if um, I don't know if anyone will, will top the the two hundred million mark, which I think is what Neymar went for. Maybe a bit more than yeah, two hundred twenty-two million pounds. Yeah. I'll be surprised yeah. if that gets beaten for a while because there's only like maybe five or six players in the world who you would think teams might pay that for. And so, some of them are like Mbappe. We know he's not moving now. We know Kane's not moving. I did um, like 222 euros, 198 uh, million dollar pounds. There so we they, go. Uh, oh. Euro is the number typically. I'm looking at the ranking that's listed by euros, which, uh, yeah, 222. Um, uh, are there any, uh, in your memory, your your lifetime of watching football, what what would you say? Is there a, an egregious transfer fee that like it just didn't? It just the guy moves, doesn't work. They pay too much, you know, the overspend. I mean, you've put me on the spot. With I know, that. I know. Um, I put you on the spot. I know. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to think because I mean, there's been so many over time. I'm trying to think. Manchester United, for instance, um, they've done it quite a few times recently. Um, Paul Pogba, he's a really interesting yeah. player. He's quite uh, streetwise, and he's on the social media a lot, and he dyes his hair crazy colours. He's 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 quite an interesting guy. But um, basically, he was a kid at Man United, at Manchester United. He was a young player there, and they let him go for like nothing. I think it was either nothing or close to nothing. And he went to Juventus when he was like nineteen. And Juventus yeah. in in Italy, like the big team in Italy, they like made him really good, and he became a big star for them. So when Manchester yeah, so United, nothing, Pug, he left uh, Manchester United after not signing a new contract. He just for nothing. He just walked for nothing. exactly, um, yeah. and and like the first time he did that. And when they signed him from Juventus, they, they signed him back when he became really good. And I think they spent like 90, 100 million, something like that. I think it might have he's been a world up, record at the time. Yeah, he's he's up there. Uh, yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, he's uh, eighth tied uh, with uh, Demi Alley uh, for 105 million euros. Yeah. 105 million, which again, I think at the time may have been the record because I think a lot of the ones that have yes. been the highest have beaten that. Yes, that's uh, correct. It does, it does say, yeah, that it broke the record at the time. Yeah. So, so when he did that, he came back for so much money and a lot of people kind of ridiculed Man U and said, well, you had him for nothing. Yeah. You had him yeah. yourself. You let him go for nothing. Now you've spent a hundred million. And now, uh, this summer, just, I think this week, it's been announced he's leaving again for nothing. He's, he's not really done as well as they thought. He was part of the same France team that, um, won yeah. the World Cup with Mbappe and he always seems to do really well for France. Um, but he's been very, very hit and miss with Manchester United and they haven't really been, they haven't been very successful over the last few years while he's been there. And he's meant to be a big star player for them and, 
they've let him go again for nothing. I think, weird, bizarrely, he's going back to Juventus for free again. So it seems his whole career is just to leave Man United for Juventus <laughs> for nothing and then come back for loads of money. Maybe in three years he'll do really well and they'll spend 200 million on him again, that's Man United. I don't know. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, I want to talk about loans for for a, a bit because I feel like that's a unique thing as well. We definitely do not have that in uh, in in many North American sports uh, where yeah, team can loan will loan you a player. You can have them for a bit. Um, uh, my understanding is this is like uh, mostly you know a development thing. Uh, the most likely reason for someone to be loaned is because uh, perhaps they are good, but they need playing time, but they're not quite good enough to like be able to make uh yeah. you know uh, the lineup uh, that often so send them to another team perhaps you know lower down the the table even different league and, and get some playing time before you come back to the to the team um yeah that's a very unique thing i think to uh to english uh well football in general yeah the loan system is quite interesting um it's it's been opened up a bit in the last 10 years i think Back in back when I was a kid and I was getting into football, like mostly loans would be to like lower league clubs only. So say Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United would loan their young players who they think are going to be good in future, but aren't yet. They'd loan them to like lower clubs. Whereas now there does seem to be a bit of a commodity for loaning players who are already established and you know they're good, but they're maybe not getting in your team and you're a top side. Um, and then so you'll loan them to another top team who might be in the same league or not competing for the same titles as you or might be in a different league, so you're not having to play against them. But, so, but you're, you're loaning them out to say, well, maybe he'll do really well there and then come back and be in our first team and be really good again. Um, what I'm thinking of with that is like Philip Coutinho. Yeah. Where he, he went to Barcelona for a lot of money again from Liverpool. Um, and, but Barcelona weren't playing him, so they loaned him out. And he went to Bayern Munich and Barcelona said, well, we'll loan him to Bayern Munich. Like I think Bayern would maybe pay a portion of what they would normally pay as a transfer fee to Barcelona to have him for a year or two years. And it's not usually more than a year, but sometimes uh, it's maybe two years or 18 months. Um, And then he ended up playing for Bayern Munich against Barcelona in the Champions League because they didn't put a, a rule in where they couldn't play him against them. And he actually scored yes. and, and Bayern Munich won oh. 8-2. <laughs> oh, I thought I assumed that was like that was like a given. Like, uh, but I get that whoever drew up that contract, that lawyer. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. work there anymore. No, wow, probably, probably not. Team. That's amazing. Yeah, and, wow. he, and he scored as well. And then they ended up getting rid of him. Maybe he wasn't very welcome back in uh, Barcelona, wow. but it was their own fault. Yeah. It was their own fault. And the loan system really helps, um, like the lower clubs. Like, so my team yeah. Doncaster last season, we didn't have a very good season. We got relegated, but we had players um, on loan from Arsenal. We had a player on loan from um, Watford who were in the Premier League this year. Um, I'm trying to think very well. So generally the right. young players, the, the young up and coming players who've maybe not played for Arsenal or Man City's first team, will come out on loan to teams like my team, Doncaster, and they'll do well there and go back and, if they're good enough, play for the the, the main team from who they've been loaned out from. That kind of helps sustain the lower clubs because we don't have to pay transfer fees for them. We might have to we might have to pay some of their wages uh, and like obviously put them up in a house and stuff where, where they're moving to for the year, but under, the understanding that you don't have to pay a transfer amount for them because at the end of the year, they're going back to the team that pays them the contract usually. So... What tends to be the so if there's a player who would garner interest from multiple teams, uh, is, is it is it mostly about relationships between clubs to say, yeah, well, we you know we'll loan you here, even though this other team would also want them. If there's no transfer fee involved at all, uh, is this a thing? I'm just maybe I'm just making up controversy here. That like, why wouldn't they send them there? You know. 
No, well, you do have that. Um, it's maybe not as controversial because I think generally there's a bigger pool of players who can go out on loan. So if you don't get one because another, another team one. got him on loan, you just get another one and it's kind of not too big a difference like it is with the top players. But um, like generally it would be about incentives, right, for the club. So the club want the young players who go out on loan to have like a good experience and develop and become better players. So that might say, say Doncaster won alone a player from Arsenal. We might say, well, we'll make sure he plays, say, 30 games in the season. We'll make sure he plays a lot um, or we'll make sure he plays in this position that you want him to play in when he plays for you, when he comes back and plays for you. And that way, if it's it goes true. well and, and yeah. then you agree to it, they go and then they do that. And then they might be inclined the next year to send another one of their young players to your team instead of another team that might want him. We're just reinforcing the hierarchy, Adam. We are. Well, that's that's how it goes. Yeah. It goes. Uh, No, I think it's interesting because I think that there's a lot of stuff there in terms of like what style of 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 play is the you know if if you play a specific style you're not gonna you don't want to send your player somewhere where they're not going to play that style. What's the what's the purpose of them? You know, they're not going to develop potentially in in that same system. So you might want to do that. I think also sports, uh, there's a huge like momentum shift. I feel like over uh, probably longer than this, but at least like for it to be well known is, you know, training facilities and and nutrition and all of this stuff that like, I feel like uh, has really become important. I I feel like uh, in some of the stuff I watch as well, some of the teams I support, uh, there's such a focus on like, yeah, we need the best training facilities, whatever. So it could be a consideration too, which is, you know, where am I going to, where are they actually going to like play and train and, and label who are their coaches, you know, all of this, this stuff. So it's very interesting. Um, I will, I was wondering the, the summer transfer window, basically June to September. Uh, you, you talked about like, I feel like there, there's a little bit of that, like the, the floodgates open some of these deals that were in the works and get made official. Um, what about uh, what sort of the flow of a summer transfer window? Cause you said you feel like there's more, there's more coming. There could be more big deals coming. Um, you know, what, what is sort of the, the flow of, uh, of the trans, of the summer transfer window, at least in terms of hot times and, and maybe cold times? Yeah. So, I mean, as I said before, like the start of the window now is when you'll get like a few of those deals, like you mentioned, that have been lined up beforehand. Um, Nunes, for instance, is one. Erling Haaland has just signed for Manchester City. They agreed that maybe a month or so ago and it got revealed in the press, but they only agreed it and announced it this week. Um, Chuamani going to Real Madrid. Um, there might be a bit of a lull now because a lot of players are on holiday or they're about to go on holiday from the yeah. end of last season. Um, yeah. So they won't be doing any transfers because they'll be on the beach or on a boat somewhere with the families. So they're having a good time, having a rest. Then when they come back, uh, maybe like the start of July, I think July through to the start of the actual games in August, there's generally a pretty consistent thing where every week from Monday to Friday, there's a lot of signings, a lot of transfers, a lot of big moves get made each week. Um, and, and then when the season starts, it kind of dies off a bit more, but the window stays open for a couple of weeks after the season starts. Um, I'm, I don't agree with that. I think it should probably close before the season starts, but um, uh, they keep it open till the end of August. The games start in August, and then after a few games, you go down to the deadline day, which is the other big fun bit of, of uh, the transfer window. Is on When it comes to deadline day, the final day, you've got to sign these players now or else you can't sign them until the next window. There's a massive flurry of activity usually on that very last day. And it's like a, it's like a big showbiz event. It's probably the closest thing to the draft, right? right. Like it's probably right. the closest thing to the draft. Um, where trade, all the usual trade deadline, yeah, day. trade yeah. deadline day. Yeah, it is basically a trade deadline day where all the same rules apply in terms of contracts and fees and everything but you have to do it all dead quick and dead fast and the, generally the tv news channels will be like stood outside the stadiums and talking about all the rumors and the people they might have seen or this place lo- here and that 
I love days like that. I, I have not yet maybe perhaps experienced uh, that in, in football. I would be excited again because I watch a lot of stuff on, on delay and I tend to just watch Liverpool stuff. But maybe I have to check that out because I, I feel like uh, I love watching as much baseball as possible on trade deadline day because what ends up it's so funny when it's like, uh, you know, or, or the few days before where you'll see like a guy he's in the starting lineup. He's played like two innings and they're like, you pull him. You're like, is he injured or are they like they don't want him to get injured because they're going to make yeah. a trade? You know, uh, it's so it's so fun. I love the transaction stuff. Uh, in football, in all sports, really. Uh, I'll ask you one more question before we go. Who is the, I'm going to make you sad actually as we leave. Oh, <laughs> we could do, we could do both sides of this coin, but, uh, is there a player that like, you know, left your team, gets transferred, uh, or signs a new country somewhere else? You were just like so sad, uh, to, to see them go. And then on the, the flip side, is there a player who you like arrived at your team? You're very excited, uh, for them to have, to have signed. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll do Doncaster examples for that, so no one listening will have heard of these people, but that's fine, right? So um, I think the saddest one for Doncaster leaving was probably uh, Ben Whiteman. He was like our best player, um, really good player, but we knew he was maybe too good, but still didn't make it feel any better. He left in January as well, so it was in the middle of the season. Um, he yeah. moved to he moved to Preston, which is where um, David Beckham got his uh, his start oh. uh, before he was big at Manchester United. Um, so he moved to Preston, a bigger team than us, maybe one league above us. But uh, we got like a bit of money. We got like a million odd pounds for him, which was good. But very sad to see him go because he was a nice guy, a uh, really good uh, like captain leader in the team. And we'd have, I've had some conversations with him as uh, part of my like coverage of the club as a, as a reporter. So uh, I was quite sad to see him go. But we had a nice little uh, interaction messages back and forth on Instagram when he left saying, you know, like, good luck on that. So that was pretty sad. I've got to say, that maybe sad. Sad remembering that. Yeah. That was like uh, two years ago, I think now. So, and then for one joining, I mean, we've not been very good for a while, so I'm gonna have to dig into the the archive of my brain for that one. But I think um, Billy Sharp, who people who watch the Premier League might have heard of him, he was at uh, Sheffield United a uh, year before last uh, in the Premier League. He's got, got a great, he's got a great football name. I'll tell you that. Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Very yeah. easy to chant, right? We we had yeah. some good chance for Billy Sharp. Um, yeah. But when we we signed him on a deadline day and. Uh, the deadline day was five o'clock in the evening here in England. And um, we were like, really needed a striker. We needed a good striker. And we were like, oh, it'd be good if we could get Billy Sharp. But he's probably not going to come here because he's too good for us sort of thing. And then we signed him like half past four, like right before the deadline. And it was really, everyone was like, oh yeah, great. We finally got a good player. And he did really well. And he was really, really good for us. So um, scored lots of goals, ended up having a really good career and playing in the Premier League and stuff. So uh, that was about 10 years ago now. So Makes me feel a bit old. So yeah. I'm sad about that one as well. No, it looks like, he, but and then it looks like he got loaned back from Southampton. He, yes, uh, he did. He did yeah, for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a good good career with us. Well, uh, like me to end on a center. I will say my my least favorite thing is not an individual player, but I have type one diabetes, and there was a year where the Blue Jays had three players on their team who all had type one diabetes. Uh-huh. And I thought it was the weirdest anomaly, and within a year they were all gone. They all <laughs> no, well. no, uh, yeah, they were all gone. But that, uh, yeah, I've had some sad departures uh, in the sporting world. It, it, Breaks your heart, and then you go. Then you just go watch another game. There's always another yeah. game. It never uh, ends. It always yeah. continues. So yeah, um, Adam, why don't you tell the folks uh, what you're up to and where people can find you with all the other stuff you're, you're doing? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I mean, my personal Twitter. You can find me on that, and that's uh, Adam in the North, in the North of England. I live up here in the northeast of England. That's now, such a so. good Twitter name, Adam. You looked thank up. You. you. Must have got in early. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, I only changed that a, a bit since I used to just have my full name on it and I didn't like that. So uh, I was I was trying to change it up a bit. But yeah, it was free a, and it worked. A plus Twitter name. Yeah. And, and if, if by some miracle from listening to me talk about Doncaster players, you suddenly are interested in Doncaster, I do run a uh, Doncaster Rovers website called IntoTheEmptyNet.com. Uh, we have a Twitter as well, which is uh, DRFC 
underscore I-T-E-N, which is a bit of a mouthful, but you can find me on there uh, through my normal Twitter as well. So that's kind of what, I, what I'm doing at the minute, covering football on there and doing things like this whenever I get a wonderful opportunity to do so. This was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on, Adam. It was great chatting with you. Oh, thanks for having us. It's great to uh, finally uh, meet. Yes. Kind of, you know, like yes. after all these See years of chatting other. and stuff. So. Hear yeah. your voice. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Welcome back. It's time for our segment, Game On. I'm here with the person who actually came up with this name of the segment. Lavina, you're back. I feel like you have to be the most repeat guest on Offspeed Podcast so far. It's, it's an honor to have you here. Oh, it's an honor to be, no, first of all, a guest. No, and it's have an honor a- for you to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Also, it's funny how we came up with that name because we were just like yeah. messaging back and forth. And I was yeah. just like, okay, cool, Grace, game on. And you were yeah, like, that's like, oh, the name. <laughs> that's the game segment. Yeah. And then my initial, my pitch to, for the name of the podcast was Banter Up. So the first session, I always like to, the first segment, I always like in my heart, it's called Banter Up. Uh, it's cute. Have, I like yeah, it. it's cute, right? Uh, I like segments. I'm a Virgo. Um, all right. You are here, Lavina. We, two weeks ago, was the beginning of the NBA Finals, and we did a game to do the official Rob as a Podcast preview. We played a game. We predicted that the Boston Celtics would beat the Golden State Warriors uh, in four, uh, in seven games, four to three. Okay. Uh, Isaiah was a little bit salty about losing, but that's okay. Uh, and he might actually be right about that, but we shall see. And what we're here to do today is preview of the official rehab preview of the nhl stanley cup finals i'm so excited like just before we recorded i was telling you i'm i freaking love anything simulation like sims games or just like a a good old brand steel moment you know it's so fun um so i feel like in hockey there's even more exciting things that can happen because like you said they're including penalties they're including every single little detail are they giving stats for each player as well i i think so i i believe so yeah you can set the starting lineup but i think they'll give you stats for everybody who played i believe i think yeah. oh oh wow they they also give you i'm looking at one i just kind of ran it says stars of the game game winning goal ejections injuries everything time yeah because yeah okay so there's enough people on this like because i thought maybe the simulator was just like picking the three you pick the three best you're actually just picking your starting lineup because there's enough people here where like enough people scored goals on each team that like yeah that yeah so they yeah they simulate the whole team um we unfortunately we don't have an ability to like if somebody's out like nazim kadri i believe is out for the stanley cup playoffs mm-hmm. uh the remainder uh he will be included in our simulation so yeah but this site we found what if sports.com is an nhl simulator you can not only just put in like this year's teams you could historical teams as well you could do the 1990 toronto maple Leafs versus the 2007 uh florida panthers if you want it you could just see mm-hmm. who you think who would win that game it's very interesting this is so fun. I'm, I'm messing with this afterwards too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so uh, excited. Looks like they have whole leagues, Lavina. You and I, are we going to end up in a rabbit hole where we're playing like a simulation NHL league? Like, forget fantasy hockey, like mm-hmm. super fantasy hockey, sim fantasy hockey. Yeah. Well, like the thing with me too is I like I have like we have a RHAP um hockey league that we did yeah. last season, I believe, or was yes. it this season? I don't even know. I do this thing where I draft and ditch for every single league I play in, right. including hockey, which yeah. everyone's like, "Wow, you're ditching hockey too." It's like, yes, I just can't keep yeah. my attention span. But anything like this will. So. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna preview the finals here and. 
this is what we think will happen. We are to give you a little bit of inside inside baseball, inside hockey, I guess. Uh, we are recording before the puck is dropped for game one. When By the time you hear this podcast, uh, there probably will have played at least uh, probably two games, uh, maybe just one, depending on when it comes out. Um, so but we are recording uh, it on uh, June 15th before uh, the puck is dropped for game one. So, um, yeah, we don't even know what's happening. What's going to happen? Well, we do. We're going to preview it and tell you what happens. <laughs> Should we simulate game one? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay at Colorado. Colorado gets home uh ice advantage i'm not sure how the simulator takes that into play but they do you do have to pick with uh arena they're in um so uh samuel gerard gets things started puts the avalanche up one nothing uh lavina in the first period uh but then tampa bay ties it up in the first period with a goal scored by pat maroon awesome i mean this is getting pretty realistic um that that was only goals for the first period those are the goals for the first period yeah so one one yeah. Okay. You know what? People were saying a lot about how Western Conference hockey is played, um, like obviously in the Colorado Avalanche side. Um, people were saying like Western Conference matchups are super high scoring, basically just like no goalies and vibes. Right. I, I saw a tweet that said this. And then Eastern Good. Conference hockey is like no goals, just goalies or something. <laughs> it was something like that. Okay. Um, and a lot of Eastern, like, I have a good friend who's an Islanders fan and she's always like, dude, what is going on with the Western Conference hockey? You guys are scoring, scoring goals here and like everywhere. Um, and I'm like, that's entertaining to me. I don't know. I'd rather watch a game where I don't want to watch like a two to one score. I'd rather, I would genuinely rather watch like a seven to five. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah I, li- I like the high scoring too. That was like a lot of the initiatives post lockout was like, let's just beef up the scoring. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, didn't they make the pads smaller a few years ago? I made the pads. Did smaller. they? I think so. I think so. Yeah. They're looking for anything to like, yeah, juice the scoring there. Uh, I'm with it. Second period, the Lightning go up two to one on a goal by Taylor Radish. Uh, that's the only goal of the period. So, uh, the Lightning take the lead heading into the third period. Uh, and they really run away with it. Uh, Alex Killorn and, uh, Palat each score a goal in the third period. Uh, Kadri puts one in to make it four two, but they can't, they can't complete the comeback. The Tampa Bay Lightning take game one. Lavina. I mean, hey, listen, um, if I were to give my personal prediction outside of this simulation, yes. Um, well, okay. Listen, for let me let me let me preface this by saying I feel like a lot of people were saying for this year's Stanley Cup final, um, it's one of the first in a very long time where the two best teams on each in each conference yeah. made the final. Yes. Um, and argue what you will about that, but um, it. it it's still going to be really good hockey. Um, a lot of people also were saying, uh, kind of like, you know, um, echoing what I was saying before, well, is that going to be like super defense heavy? Is it going to be kind of boring? Is it not going to be exciting? Um, and I'm not sure if I agree with that. I do think that it's going to be exciting because there's a lot of superstar, like we've got Gabriel Landis Cog, you know, we've yeah. got, of course, Stephen Stamkos, like Kalorn, who just simulated a goal. Um, yeah. there you go. Perfect. Um, I think it's going to be super high, not like super high scoring, but it's going to be, uh, it's kind of like a, you know how they say like in a shootout, it's like a, what do they call it? Like a show, like a talent showcase competition where they're like, oh, get rid of the shootout kind of thing. Um, right. That's kind of how yes. it's going yes. to be for the finals, in my opinion. Right. I 
I agree. And I also don't think that like, yeah, the high scoring games are really fun, but I do think like in games like this where you're like watching, like, I feel like if you're watching, you're probably going to stick around for the, and like, yeah, the low scoring game will be really fun as well in this type of situation. Like, yeah, when it's like, you know, the middle of the season, give me like, yeah, seven, seven, five win. Um, but in the finals, like if it's a low scoring game, that could be, that could be fun. That can be tense. Uh, any goal can matter. Um, they give the star of the game to Ryan McDonough for having two assists. Um, which I think is very nice. Uh, nobody scores more than one goal. So yeah. Uh, flat gets second star and Cologne gets third star. Uh, there. Okay. So we're trying to maybe track who maybe gets the, is it the Calder? Is it the, uh, what's, what's the, whatever the Stanley cup MVP. We'll figure it out. Let's simulate game number two. Uh, here we go. Wow. So fast. Um, no scoring in the first period. In the second period, Victor Hedman scores, uh, and, Corey Perry scores uh, to put the lightning up to nothing. Uh, Nachuskin, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. I have to. You said it right. Him. Great. Uh, mm-hmm. Gets the Avalanche within one, but once again, they cannot make the comeback, and the Tampa Bay Lightning win game number two, two to one. This is my grave fear, Grace. Like the three P. Uh, I, I, I didn't. Well, like I didn't even get to my original point because I forgot and drifted off, drifted off like I freaking always do. Um, but my at least what I want to happen in the finals is I want to see a new champion. Like, come on, everyone's saying yeah. hockey's parody. How many times have I said the word parody on the Offspeed podcast, Grace? Like, come it on. It was like your really big point about uh, before the, <laughs> when we previewed the Stanley Cup finals. Like your last one was like parody. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is this going to do for you know, the NHL is super famous for having parody. It's known for that. Um, and so, and it's not even that. It's like, listen, I'm not a fan of the Colorado Avalanche. Like as a Sharks fan, Western Conference fan, we've faced them just um, recently as 2019 in the playoffs. And there was a yeah. lot of controversies. So I'm not a huge fan of them. If I can have both teams lose, I'd be happy. But if I had to choose, I like Nazem Kadri. I know he's hurt, but, um, I, you know. I would love to see Nazem Kadri get to hold up the Stanley Cup. That would be, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I I agree. I think that uh I mean I I'm, I would prefer to see the Avalanche win um mm-hmm. as well, but I do I'm am kind of like this this person who's like, yeah, if it's like a dynasty in my life, that's kind of cool to see, you know, like three wins in a row. That's that's kind of fun. Uh but I know a lot of people like, you know, we want something new. We get bored quickly these days. So uh yeah, we'll we shall see. Um all right, let's go to game number three. Ooh, uh, Vina, lightning go up. Two nothing in the first period. Uh, Sorelli and Klorn score. But in period number two, the Avalanche come back and tie it up. Uh, Makar and Nazem Kadri score a goal. Okay. And, uh, Rantanen scores to put the Avalanche up 3 2. But in a power play goal, Alex Kalorn ties the game 3 3 uh, with like two minutes left to go. And then with 30 seconds left to go, Tyson Jost scores. Is it Jost or Jost? Jost. Jost scores a goal mm-hmm. to put the Avalanche up four to three and take game number three. Here's my question. Yeah. McKinnon, Landeskog, guys, yeah, where no, are you? Yeah, nobody. No, yeah, they have not been around at all. Stamkos, is, right? Yeah, no Stamkos. Yeah, I didn't say uh, Vasilevsky was the, was the uh, first star for game number uh for game number two, uh, who do they give the, the first? Kadri gets first star here. That's not bad. Okay, we love that. Yeah. Um. I mean, again, he's hurt, but 
we're, we're still we're still he's living a for it. Yeah, he's a, exactly. It's a simu. He we are all in a simulation. Um, yeah, we're all in a simulation. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but what's funny to me is I really do think like I was sent. I mentioned like you know Landis Cog and but I really think that we're gonna see a Nathan McKinnon show in the real life version. I agree. I think it's and gonna be very fun. Yeah, he's going to really. Um, He's going to, you know, really show his place in this league because everyone's just so torn up on, you know, and I hate to say this, Grace, but Austin Matthews versus McDavid. And we saw McDavid and it was like, you know, it, it was rough for him. It's been rough for him for the past 48 I, hours, mind you. But oh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess bring, uh, hockey news. Should we, uh, should we bring it up? Uh, let's uh, we'll, let's uh, we'll finish on maybe some uh, Connor McDavid news. Yeah. OK. OK. Yeah. What a player that guy. Yeah, in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the McDavid. I thought for I thought the Avalanche would have more trouble with the Oilers than they did, and they just seem to have no trouble with them at all. And so, yeah, I would agree that this uh, might be a nice little showcase for Nathan McKinnon uh, in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup Finals. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't expect any team to struggle with or. I, I expected every team to struggle with the Avalanche because right. I just thought that they were going to end up exactly where they are. I wasn't sure about Tampa this season. I hey, was like, Toronto, oh, the Toronto <laughs> could have, what could have been, what could have been so sad. Uh, it's always that. Yeah, that game. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know what the Toronto Maple Leafs need to do to like how figure out how to win playoff hockey, but whatever they're doing right now is not working. But I also don't want them to blow it up. <laughs> it's also just like a curse at this point. It's like, yeah. what can they do at this point? Yeah. It's fine. I mean, yeah, we get to watch a lot of good hockey. So yeah, could be worse yeah. curses to have. Uh, no, but I agree. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think I think Colorado will take this. But in our simulation, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, so Juskin actually gets Avalanche on the board very early, one nothing. And then, are you ready? Are you ready, Lavina? <laughs> uh, the Lightning go on to score. Oh no, actually. Uh, oh, I, am I reading this wrong? Uh, <laughs> oh, I was actually reading this totally wrong. So Clorin okay. scores to tie the game. Then Darren Helm scores. Then Makar scores. Uh, uh, Kubel scores. Landeskog scores. And oh Makar scores again. Uh, meaning the Avalanche win this game six to one. Okay. Uh, okay. There, there is a single Nathan McKinnon assist in this game. <laughs> All right, who made this? The simulator is not a fan of, uh, no. of Nate McKinnon necessarily. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that just feels better. Now yeah. I'm excited to... Now it's like Nathan McKinnon watch. Like, you know, if this was a yeah. real thing, they'd be up on Twitter, like, hashtag Nathan McKinnon watch party. Like, what yeah. is he going to do next? Like, that would be like... Honestly, that alone would be a massive national news story because it's like... It's Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Like, that's like McDavid yeah. not putting up any point whatsoever in a final. Yeah. I'm yeah. that's I want to I Yeah, he has not happens. scored a goal yet, I believe. So yeah, the simulator. <laughs> it really hates it. Yeah. It's fake. Yeah, it's fake. Literally. Yeah. Um all right, we'll head to game number five. Series is tied two two. Uh pretty good. We get Kale McCarr scores again. He had two goals in that last game. Uh and then Palat scores, making it one one. Eric Johnson scores in the second period, putting the avalanche up two to one. And no goal scored in the third period. So the Colorado Avalanche storming back a little bit. Two to one uh, in this win. And it puts them up three to two in the series. How are they doing this 
without Nathan McKinnon production. And and again, no, yeah, no Nate McKinnon. That's hilarious. Yeah. This is at this point, I'm just wait. I'm like listening to you to wait or like, I'm like looking at you to see if you start laughing because I know you're about to say McKinnon (laughs) at this point. That's what I'm waiting for. No, I haven't seen any. No, no Nate McKinnon goals. That's amazing. What's going Uh, on here? I don't know. Uh, all right. Game number six. Uh, Colorado could clinch it. Uh, Pat Maroon scores in period one uh, to put the lightning up one nothing. I have it, to stop yes, you because yes. Pat Maroon has two. I'm going to keep saying it. Pat Maroon has two goals. I get it. He's had <laughs> a lot of experience in the Stanley Cup final in the yeah. past like four or five years. Yeah. But Two goals and Nathan McKinnon has zero. zero. <laughs> this is jokes. Zero, zero goals. I don't know who. I don't know. Maybe they just hate Nate McKinnon. Um, <laughs> uh, Landeskog scores to tie the game at one-one in the third period uh, with about eleven minutes left. Uh, Palat scores to put the Lightning up two-to-one. Meaning, Vina, you're headed to Game Seven. Okay, we love that. Uh, we've I hope only that happens. We've had some pretty low-scoring games: four-to-two, two-to-one, four-to-three, six-to-one. Two to one, two to one. So interesting. Oh my God. Watch. It goes to overtime. And the winner is Nathan McKinnon <laughs> scored the goal. Okay. As game seven, we have Nate McKinnon gets a point. Okay. Gets an assist. <laughs> oh my God. This is so underwhelming. <laughs> On the two skin goal in the first period. In the second period, Steve Stamkos. He threw some shade on Steve Stamkos. He scores yep. a goal, ties the game mm-hmm. up. Uh, one one. In the third period, we get a goal from no one. So it's tied one one, heading into overtime. We head oh into overtime period number one, and we do get a goal. Would you like to guess who it is? It's not Nathan McKinnon. Wait, 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 let me guess. Not, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me actually like take a guess. Okay, I'm gonna say Corey Perry. Not Corey Perry. Uh, in fact, wrong team. Oh. Okay. So I guess on um, the other team. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's your boy. Let's see. No way it's Nathan McKinnon. No, it's not Nathan McKinnon. No, it's not. It's Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri scores the oh, game winning yeah. goal to give the Colorado Avalanche their win, their victory in overtime in game. So that's pretty great. I just simulated this whole thing. Uh, I promise we didn't like, I didn't cheat. Uh, <laughs> that's fun. Game seven goes into overtime, the only overtime in the whole thing. And then Nazem Kadri wins. We should probably just give him whatever the version of the MB- MVP is, right? I think it's Consmite. It is. I believe it's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can uh, see it in my head right now. Uh, even though he's actually not going to be. <laughs> well, technically, if they win, he'd be out there with the suit and he would get a chance at the cup, which I love that tradition. I love it. it. I uh, I think uh, there's a lot of things that I think the NHL does way better than everything, everybody else. So I think that like, uh, A, their owners are not the people who hold up the trophy first. It's the players. Yeah, ew. I love the players skating around with it over their head. Uh, it's great. The trophy is great. It's like one of the better trophies. I was, it's, uh, someone who was on a, in a podcast recently was just like, why does the NBA always have to be like, so their NBA trophy is always like a basket, like at like the hoop. It's like, we know that it's basketball. Like no other sport is doing this. Like I guess football yeah. does it with the football, but like, I was like, yeah, you, you win a cup. Like, yeah, we know it's hockey. You know, you get a cup. Uh, yeah. it's great. They don't need to be like, it doesn't need to be like a hockey player, you know, or with a stick. 
It's just a cup. It's a cool cup. It's very like childlike. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I won my bowling tournament That's or something. Right. Or like, I won Little League and I'm a little, yeah. it's like a little figurine. On and the they screen. ran out of soccer trophy. So they gave some, you know, here's the cup. It's great. I love this. The Stanley <laughs> Cup is like the best trophy. I mean, we could rank trophies at some point, but it's the best trophy, right? Ever? Totally. I totally yeah. agree. The only thing I don't like about it, though, is when they do like each player gets their day with the cup. They do some weird stuff, Grace. Like, yeah. I think I've heard people have peed in that thing before. They yeah, no eat thing, and then yeah. they turn around and eat cereal out of it. Like, let's not. Yeah, no, no, thanks. That's not that's not for me. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't envy the person who has the job of like guarding it when like it, people yeah and like taking it house to house uh cool tradition though i think that they all get a day with the cup yeah um all right so we're on the precipice here uh, the playoffs have probably already started by the time people are listening to this but this is the official rehab prediction is that the colorado avalanche will win in game seven both of our games have gone to game seven what a what a coincidence um but is there anything else about the uh, uh stanley cup finals that you are particularly excited about that we didn't chat about already um, you know what? Honestly, if I had to pick the series, I ha I do have the abs winning. I was kind of teetering between a six and between um in game six or seven. But yeah. I know it was a simulation, but as I'm really looking at, you know, game previews and really like, you know, immersing myself in it, because I like I said, I'm not technically following the Eastern Conference team super closely, but obviously it's Tampa and I and I and I still think that they'll 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 put up a really big fight. But I do think it's Colorado's year after so many years. Yeah, I'd be I think that that's the most fun outcome. I'm a little worried that just like yeah Tampa just wins all the time. But I, I think yeah. if there's a team that can beat them, it certainly would be Colorado. Uh yeah, and like we said, I think this is sort of like could be a fun series for Nate McKinnon. So, um, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to go long, but then I'm like, if we get to Game Seven, I'm like, yeah, Tampa's just gonna win because that's the less fun of the two, the two options. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if we were talking about New York Rangers, which I was rooting for them, if we were talking about the Rangers versus the Avs, they would I, honestly would be. I would be worried that they would just sweep, like the Avs would, I would just sweep. I would agree. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get our mess magnet on. A shout out to Chris. Yes. Uh, Connor McDavid, uh, seen with another woman, right? Is that, that's what, that's what happened? Yeah. So I wake up like a couple days ago. I, you know, check the Twitter feed. I try not to do that first thing in the morning, but sometimes you just got to do it. Um, and the very first thing I saw was it was like a burner account, which I don't know how. For the life of me, like if you make a new account and you post something, how does that pick up speed? I know it's a video, but yeah, and the person in the video, but like, how did that even get to people's attention? Because nothing was tagged, nothing was followed, but um, it was an account that posted videos of them seeing Connor McDavid out on the town. I don't know if it was downtown Edmonton, Edmonton, downtown like Toronto, which wherever, um, somewhere with another woman and um. The video starts of them recording behind him and they're just kind of like talking. And um, I think they say like, hey, Connor, or, or, we see you or something. They call something out to him and he looks at the camera and you can see him like you can like I don't, I don't know if you can audibly hear it, but he's just like, oh, crap or something like that. What and, a perfect. That's the best. That's not, you know, it's a, you know, the situation with it, but then he's just like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Like it was like sitcom worthy, like it yeah. was like staged or something. And um, it was a thread of videos and they posted another one. I guess they followed them, which is like, honestly, 
it, it, objectively kind of weird. I get the situation, but like, why are you following this person with a camera in their face? Just leave them alone. Yeah. But hey, we got the content out of it. And, you know, Connor's not being a amazing guy here. So not defending him. But um, and the second video, they like it shows him pretty looking pretty under the influence. And the girl is like basically like rubbing his back and like carrying him or whatever, essentially. Um, and yeah, so, and I, mm-hmm. I saw that they also posted saying, we will, we have more videos of Connor. We will post, but from the last I've seen the account, it's gone. I, I, yeah, the video is, is, is gone. Uh, well, the, the Twitter account is gone. Uh, yep, no video that's account. posted to the internet, uh, will ever go away. Um, mm-hmm. did, I feel like, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's his girl. Is his girlfriend? Is he uh, married? Is it his his wife? It's just this is girlfriend, um, right? It's his living girlfriend, and yeah. they. I don't mean just very... his girlfriend, but I, you know, it's his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just yeah. to be clear, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I feel like there's worse scandals to to get a you know to happen to to somebody like Connor McDavid. I mean. I think totally. like uh we have we have forgiven one Tiger Woods for like, his oh, indiscretion. Lord. So I think that like, you know, uh, the Tiger Woods is like getting the like the comeback story uh right now. I think Connor McDavid and for it to happen so early in the off season, which is kind of hilarious that it's just yes. like immediately as soon as he's out, he's like out with some girl. That's wild to me. But I feel like this this will be forgotten. This will be forgotten, I think, at some point. I think what why people are so pressed on it, of course, it's the the current biggest star of the league. Um, but people are like pressed on it, like on hockey Twitter and stuff like that, because it's Connor McDavid. It's not like, okay, we yeah. could probably see that happening with like a Jamie Ben character, but right. not, you know, Connor McDavid, who isn't exactly clean image, yeah. Not even yeah. that, just like not the brightest personality, um, right. not super exciting of a person. You know, they make fun of his house and all that. Um, and they're saying like, oh, now they're making memes. Like, oh, Lauren, which is, I believe, his girlfriend's name. She's going to take the house, like the 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 house that they make right. fun of. And he's going to have to sleep on the... I believe they have like warmed... I don't know if this is like a Canadian thing, oh. gr- thing Grace, but like warmed up driveways or something. Yes. He's yes, going to sleep is, on them. Okay, that is that's Canadian. Really cool. That's I mean, very cool. I mean... For rich Canadians, rich Canadians right. have that. Uh, but yeah, so that you uh, you can melt all the snow off your car. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's why we all have like all of our cars starts like automatic, you know, like yeah, but just like we all live here and we hate the winter, but uh, <laughs> we have to figure out a way to deal with it somehow. Yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I do remember that going around. His house is like very weird, right? Isn't that the thing? It's like very like it's like um, moderny weird. Isn't- it's like a elevated version of Kim and Kanye's old house right, that right. everyone was making fun of. It's like, okay, cool. Do you just sleep on a pile of bricks? <laughs> right, right, right. Everything is so square. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's hilarious. I think uh, anybody who's like been negative, like his girlfriend, that sex. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. think like in a while, this will be all all swept under the rug. You know, we'll, Zamb- we'll get the works. Zamboni out, clean the ice, you know, uh, yeah. hilarious. Uh, well, <laughs> well, Lavina, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at LPABS with two S's. I'll be tweeting about the finals and, you know, other, you know, reality TV and sports stuff. Cool. Uh, all right. Thanks for coming on, Lavina. You're always welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I love coming on.
All right. Welcome back. I thought both those conversations were very fun. Uh, fun chatting with Lavina, putting our mess magnet hat on, uh, diving into what's happening with Connor McDavid. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks' time with another episode. Uh, let me know on Twitter at Hi From Grace. Send me a DM, send me a tweet. Uh, I can be found. Uh, in the Rob as a Podcast patron Facebook group, as well as the Inside Schmergen Brawl, which is sort of the sports um, sports spinoff uh, uh, group, not not re- officially rehab related, but uh, uh, adjacent. Uh, I'll be in there. You can let me know in there if there's any sports you'd like to chat about. I heard some rumblings of people would like to hear about MMA. I'm interested in talking about this uh, LIV uh, uh, international series, sort of the split between the PGA probably at some point. Um, Maybe some esports, some ultimate frisbee on the agenda. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you like what I do, you like hearing from me, I have lots more podcasts. Currently, just covering Peaky Blinders over on Post Show Recaps, as well as weekly movie coverage. This week, we talk about Jurassic World Dominion, which had about Lightyear. Uh, Elvis is coming out uh, in a few weeks. So, lots on the agenda over there. And here on Rob as a podcast, I also do The Pride Has Spoken. Uh, a show to celebrate LGBTQ survivors. I'm very proud of what we're putting out uh, and uh, hope you are as well until next time the podcast is over. Mm -hmm.